the Panhandle News Network. The views and opinions on this station do not necessarily represent the Panhandle News Network, WEPM and WCST, or West Virginia Radio Corporation. It's Panhandle Sports Live. Crossover, step back! Where the Eastern Panhandle of West Virginia comes to get their sports live. Is this the dagger? It is a great night to be a Mountaineer wherever you may be. Agent back to pass. Rush down the pocket. Throwing it downfield. It's into the end zone. Oh, he caught it! Here are your hosts, Jordan Nice Warner, Luke Wiggs, and Parker Stone. It is Wednesday the 7th, and you are tuned in to Panhandle Sports Live, broadcasting live from the Hoppy Kirchville building. Jordan Ice Warner, alongside me, Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. You can get in touch with us. You can tweet us at EP Sports Network. You can text us, 304-263-4321. But good morning, fellas. How are we doing? Doing good. How are you doing? Welcome back into the studio. Thank you. appreciate it. I feel older and wiser, I guess is uh, <laughs> what I should be saying. But yeah, it was a nice couple days off. Weather was nice, which helped. Yeah, it does help, too. What would you get into? Not much, which was nice. A couple long bike rides, hung out, saw some friends, saw some family. So you said Sunday, right? Was yeah. It, was that one of the 90-degree days? No. So the 90-degree day, so thir- what? Friday was super yeah. hot. Saturday was kind of hot in the during the day, but then it got nice afternoon. I think, I mean, my hot scale is a little bit different than other people's hot scales. So 90, as long as it's not, like, crazy humid, I'm cool with. <laughs> so, But, yeah, it was nice. It was nice and, uh, you know, got to hang out a little bit. Didn't get to see you at all. I was hoping I was going to pass cross paths with you in the building, but nope. I don't know. Only to. saw you once. Only saw you once. You're going to the gym, of course, Parker Stone. <laughs> uh, Something's never changed. Yeah, complaining about a park job. Did you, you maintain your gym uh, at your previous residence, or have you relocated? You don't have to say where. From my, uh, oh, you're not driving to Winchester, right? Yeah. No, okay. I'm not. You've relocated? Yeah. Okay. We got to get you. Apparently, Extreme Fitness is where the real hitters yeah. are. Yeah. Oh, boy. We got to get, get you out there. Get, get me you out of there. P-Fit. Get, get, get me with the... The chalk monsters in there. Oh, yeah. Just start <laughs> clapping up with the chalk. Parker's with a chalk bag on his hip. <laughs> My God. It's over. I would love it's, that. It's all over. Barefoot. Well, anyways, like I said this morning, I mean, goodness, I'm gone for, what, 16 business hours, and the whole panhandle sports-wise, especially prep sports-wise, explodes with, of course, the transfers going all around. There's rumors flying now. There's teams saying this, kids saying that. Other people saying this, so uh, it's been a pretty wild world. It's cool and funny and kind of weird to see, you know, the transfer posts from these high school kids that we got so used to seeing in the college ranks. Uh, But it seems like Hedgesville is starting to really, you know, load up, and they're looking to make a little bit of a run. Of course, uh, Gavin Young, we were talking to him last week, and a couple big names are going over there now. So it seems like out of nowhere, and we knew this was going to happen. We knew this was going to happen in the panhandle with this transfer portal. We knew it was going to go insane here because of how you know close teams are, proximity and things. Uh, but Hedgesville is quickly you know working their way up those preseason rankings and really started to put some heat on Martinsburg. Absolutely. Uh, Aiden Fleming was a big get. I mean, that caught eyeballs from all over the state. Uh, but what's going to happen now? We expected more transfers to be announced, but they've kind of been put on hold. Technically, I don't think the official transfer window has opened yet, so how much of a factor is that? But it's funny to watch these guys post. Like you said, they look like college posts. And the funniest thing about all of this to me is Aiden Fleming's 
dropping two pins from Martinsburg to Hedgesville. I think that's the funniest thing in the world. <laughs> when they're right next to each yeah. other. <laughs> but it's a big get for Hedgesville to put together a really talented roster. So is Gavin Young and that really talented wide receiver room with the Monte Martin and the pieces that they have. You know, questions as to, you know, is Harper going to be able to elevate their game? We'll have to wait and see their quarterback. They've got a freshman on the way that looks really good, too. They've got one of the best offensive linemen in the state in Faircloth. Um, and they're making some noise. We knew that some teams would kind of spend this first call it transfer window hanging on to what they had. You know, Musselman, to me, for example, I, I think uh, Brian Thomas's approach was, I'm just going to make sure my guys are happy and then right. we'll see how this plays out. Uh, as, as as opposed to other teams that are kind of going for it. The southern part of the state, it's it's already the Wild West. It kind of was before. Mm-hmm. So every coach is attacking it differently. And, you know, if Hedgesville is able to maintain these players, if they're allowed to get them in uh, and through the law to transfer, then you're right. Hedgesville has gone from, you know, they lost a very, very good quarterback, losing Tanner Matthew, losing the older Faircloth, and wondering how good they're going to be this year to having some pieces and saying, well, this team could potentially be as good as the second best team in the EPAC. And then, you know, you look at them taking a big piece from Martinsburg and maybe could they use that to take a bite out of Martinsburg? Yeah, man, I wonder what the pitch is like. You know the recruiting pitch. Well, that's for the thing. I don't think that's the thing that's scary about all this because I don't think you can recruit. I right. think it's like you need to find your way over here. Now, I I, I don't know. You know that that's not happening. <laughs> you know that is not happening. There's definitely coaches sitting in you know living rooms. Like, I stuff. can't speak for what's going down right. in the coal fields. I mean, who knows? You know? Oh, I bet you down there it's even crazier. <laughs> but it's been happening all. People would make the argument it's been happening already. But it right. is it is unique and nobody knows how to handle it. You've got, again, Aiden Fleming's trading it like he's transferring from WVU to Marshall, you know, and maybe that's the way that it's going to be, and he set the precedent for that. I have no idea. Well, you can text us, 304-263-4321. Let us know what you think about these early stages of this West Virginia high school athletics transfer portal. I mean, we're seeing it, you know, already start to go crazy here in the panhandle. Of course, like Luke said, downstate too, it's already going nuts. So what are your thoughts? Is it too much? Uh, Should it be stopped already? Text us. 304-263-4321 304-263-4321 and uh, keep it on the high school football track. I see here Troy Woolston getting an offer from West Liberty. No disrespect to West Liberty, but do you think <laughs> Troy Woolston could potentially be a little bit better than West Lib? He's a D1 talent. Yeah. I think he absolutely is. He's going to have I – mean, he had his season kind of put on hold because of that leg injury, and then he went out kind of recovering from leg injury and had a great basketball season. And I, that helps recruiting. You know, I remember listening – I think it was uh, it was Rich Braham when he got recruited by Don Nealon to play WVU. Love that he was a basketball player. He likes big guys with footwork down in the post. You know, I, I, as an offensive and defensive lineman, that's something that coaches look for. So, you know, it's always nice to have that option to stay in the MEC. I'm sure that he's somebody that Shepard will be all over. I know that other schools will come in and offer him down the line to have kind of that fallback. But we expect, you know, we had the kind of a mini debate, you know, who's a better edge rusher, him or Aiden Fleming? I think they're both very good. And I think they're both Division One caliber talents. So it's nice to see him picking up the hardware now. And hopefully those offers increase um, as the season goes on. They move in a county over, Parker. Uh, Berkeley Springs football, they're in a bit of a rebuild now. Of course, they have a new head coach with Wes Eddy, but they're adding uh, another pretty significant uh, name to their coaching staff. Yeah, they announced this morning Paul Price has been named defensive coordinator over at Berkeley Springs. Price, he comes from a lot of his coaching has been in the college ranks, actually. He was in at West Virginia Wesleyan. His coaching career dates back all the way back to 1989. He was a co-offensive and defensive coordinator at West Virginia Wesleyan, was a head coach at West Virginia Tech at one point, was head coach at Concord from 2016 to 2019, 
and was a linebackers coach over at West Virginia State for a few years. But now he's coming back to the high school ranks for the first time and is going to be a defensive coordinator for the Tribe. It's a good get. Price, I think, was a good coordinator, not a great head coach from what I gauge from his tenure at Concord when I was there. But it's a good get for Berkeley Springs. Again, they're trying to build a program into something of relevance right now. It's been a tough couple years for Berkeley Springs, other than that one year they had a couple years back. But these are the pieces here. You bring in a guy who's had coaching experience at the college level. Now, the overall success of as a head coach in the college level wasn't what ideally you'd want. But again, I think Price is a better coordinator than he is a coach, and I think it's going to be a good fit for the tribe. So how important for you know a team, for community, for you know uh, a situation like Berkeley Springs, how important is it to have uh, you know a guy like this coming in with all this experience, especially at the next level too, uh, to help you know kind of plant the seed, if you will, of uh, you know competitive and good football out there in Berkeley Springs a, a new seed well he's seen some really good athletes he, again he's coached in the college ranks he has two head coaching stops in his college career he's coached at division two so he's seen talent and he's seen how good programs are ran he's gone up against teams like Notre Dame Charleston when they were good and he's seen that for firsthand what it takes to have a winning program these new pieces bring in I'm excited to see what how he's going to mold this defense to where he wants it to be and then working with Coach Eddie, I've seen they've hit the ground running already with practices and stuff over there in the Morgan County area. I'm hoping they're going to really turn this thing around this year. I'm rooting for Wes Eddie and the Tribe. Well, again, let's know what you think. 304-263-4321. This uh, transfer portal has already started to get all wild here in the state of West Virginia for these high school athletes. So what do you think? Is it too much, too soon, Texas? 304-263-4321. Before we get to this uh, first break, Luke, we got some Legion baseball and some pretty good action around the uh, Martinsburg area at the moment, too. Yeah, I got to check out Berkeley Post 14 for the first time yesterday. Spent some time over at P.O. Faulkner, and it was a, a tough loss uh, for the Hornets in that game. Gave up, <clears throat> excuse me, five runs in the first inning. Uh, when I showed up, it was 6-4 to four in the fourth, and unfortunately just kind of ran out of gas at the end. You know, they're coming off a stretch of really a, a tough doubleheader to begin the season. They're starting to get everybody healthy, everybody over. You know, the Hedgesville guys are starting to trickle down. The rest of the teams that were playing in the North-South game are coming back up. So post-34 uh, out of Leesburg is probably going to be one of the best teams. There's some Division One talent on that team, some Virginia Tech guys. Uh, Chase Herndon started, struggled. Dylan Stevens, who looked really good in his first start, came in and struggled. And Bohr, Trevor Bohr, now out of the bullpen, has struggled in a couple of different appearances. But you look at the roster. I mean, this team's too talented pitching-wise. Based on the guys that they have that pitched in the EPAC this year, and not to mention Herndon, who's playing at West Virginia Tech, not to mention Stottlemyre, who's pitching at Shepard. You know, they've got some very talented arms. They just kind of need to get going. Uh, and against one of the best offenses they'll ever see um, this season, uh, it was tough. It, it the hits were 16 to 11 is the one takeaway I think you had in this game. A couple of misplayed balls in the field that need to be addressed as well. But, you know, Camby in the top of the lineup was just, I think he was one for eight coming into this game. And he has three hits, drives in two runs. So you like to see his bat getting going. And then the other Legion team was in action. The North Berkeley Knights had started the year one and three. And they played the Smithburg Blue Crabs yesterday. Nice. Uh, and they won that game 15 to six, put up a seven spot in the fourth inning. A couple of crooked numbers in that game. Uh, so they're starting to get some production up and down their lineup. Everhart drives in five runs for them, which is wild. And Mason Elliott in the nine spot drives in three. You know, they got good performances from Ian Wolf, Peyton Gerard, and I think they used an opener in this game, but don't hold me to that. Uh, and the back of their bullpen came in and did its job pitching with the lead. And pitching is going to be a concern depth-wise for North Berkeley. Um, but 
you know, their coach had said at the beginning, we had Coach Everhart on yesterday, uh, and, he's, and he had said in the past, if this team finishes 500 in their first season, I'll be happy. They're trending towards, I think, finishing a little bit better than that, Mark. It's going to be exciting to watch. Both teams are now traveling to Morgantown. They'll be in the uh, the WAJR Woodback Classic, I think. Nice. Starting Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and we'll be carrying two of those games. Post-14 on Friday uh, with Kyle Wiggs on the call for both games. And then the North Berkeley Knights will play Saturday morning at 9 a.m. So you catch your Legion fever there, and we'll carry a couple of their games the rest of the way. Nice. Is that at Dale Miller, Dale Miller Field? It is split between Dale Miller Field and Schilling Field. For people that don't know, Schilling is the home of University High. Dale Miller Field is the home of uh, Morgantown Post 2 and the Morgantown High Mohegans. And those fields are separated by about 15 feet. So yeah, oh, yeah I can see. I'm looking at a picture here. I can uh, see that. So uh, I think that the games that we're going to be doing are both on Schilling, which is University's field, but that complex is there. I've gotten my picture taken next to the Dale Miller plaque before. It looks just like him. Um, but but yeah, that that's coming up this weekend. And you can tell uh, everybody's different influences on the Twitter page, and especially with the feed, because I'm looking at a Morgantown Post two <laughs> post here about their game against Garrett uh, tonight at 7 p.m. at Dale Miller Field. Go figure. Uh, but again, Texas three zero four two six three four three two one. Tweet us at EP Sports Network. We'll be back in a few minutes on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. It's Panhandle Sports Live with Jordan, Luke, and Parker. Tweet the guys at EP Sports Network. Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live. You can text us 304-263-4321. Tweet us at EP Sports Network. I'm Jordan Ice Warner alongside me, Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. Of course, we are your home for Baltimore Orioles baseball. They again go to extra innings last night and lose 4-3 to to the Brewers. Uh, they're again playing tonight against Milwaukee, 740 first pitch. Again, we'll have it right here on WPM and WCST. But eight hits for both teams. And it comes down to a run in the bottom of the 10th inning by Milwaukee to uh, beat the Orioles. The record moves to 37-23. and 23, Still sitting pretty good in the AL. Uh, but these are games, you know, that, yes, the Brewers are pretty good, but you should be winning these games. And it's tough to see another loss in extra innings, uh, just another game in general in extra innings for the Orioles. Yeah, absolutely. Especially, especially since you had the lead in this game in the 7th. And many people have said that the Orioles' bullpen is the best in baseball. Uh, and unfortunately, Cano gives up a run um, that ends up being decisive. It's a shame when you waste a good start. Uh, and what you did from Kyle Gibson goes five, strikes out seven, only walks two, which is important for him. And the Brewers are a team that, you know, they're struggling a little bit, but are starting to bounce back from a game that you would have liked to have had. And you can't have too many of these slip away from you over the course of a season because at the end of the year, you go back and look and you think, man, if only we would have closed the deal against the Brewers in June. Maybe we would have made the playoffs or maybe we would have won the division. But you've got two more chances to right that ship uh, before you take on the Royals and then the Blue Jays after that, who are now Manoa-less. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, so it was a it was a tough pill to swallow. The Orioles are still in a good place after taking two of three from the Giants. I mean, as long as you're taking two of three in every series, obviously you're going to be in okay shape. Especially when you're on the road, too, because they got to go. You go all the way across the country to San Francisco. Now you got to go play all the way up north in Milwaukee. There's a good chance for them to, t- I think, take two out of three. They're playing against Corbin Burns today, though. Again, is one of the better pitchers in baseball, but he's kind of had an up-and-down season since we're talking about up-and-down pitchers. It's a it's a series that I think you need to come away with if you can try and you got to keep pace in this American League East. I think it's the best way to really describe it. Aaron Hicks has looked like a great pickup so far. He homered in this game and tied the game at two earlier on. 
But I think this team's kind of waiting on Cedric Mullins to get back as well. He's their leadoff guy. He's, I think, really the core and heart of this Baltimore Orioles, Orioles team. And once he comes back, I think they'll be consistently on to the better plan that they have been. But Manoa going to the minors, who would have called that one at the start of this year? Oh, my goodness. He's, he, is he, like, washed? Is he done? Yeah. Dude, he's completely washed. <laughs> one and seven right now on the year. Six three six ERAs is coming from a guy that was an all-star last year, and he, people were saying he's going to be one of the best pitchers in baseball this year. But, of course, the big thing is everybody's saying he's out of shape. He can't adjust to the you know faster-tempo baseball nowadays, which is probably true because he certainly looks a lot bigger than he did at the end of last season. But uh, I, to me, it kind of seems like the case of a kid that got – he was he got too popular too quick or he was too good too soon didn't quite know how to handle it and now boom it all kind of shatters in front of him uh, quickly but I, I think it's a good thing I mean for somebody at that level to go back down kind of get humbled a bit and uh, work back on your craft and hopefully get back up you don't want to see him in the minors forever right you want to see Manoa back up there doing what he was doing uh, you know last year especially but yeah one and seven and six three six ERA <laughs> that deserves to be sent down well he leaves after giving up six runs and only a third of an inning. Uh, that was his last start in the bigs before getting sent down. You look at his numbers, and this is just what doesn't make any sense to me. His velocity is basically unchanged. His pitch usage is unchanged. Teams aren't pulling the ball or hitting to the opposite field against him more. Uh, that's unchanged. The only thing that's gone up, his walk rate's gone up significantly, and the fact that teams are hitting the ball harder against him has gone up. So the question then becomes, you know, how is, is he missing spots more than he's ever had? Or is there something in his game that's tipping his pitches that he needs to go out and get adjusted? You know, is there something that's that's tipping off what he's going to throw and teams have an advantage against him that they didn't have in years past? The pitch clock thing is part of it because I watch him make starts. I didn't get to watch the the implosion that was his last start. <laughs> I mean, he sweat three pounds off by the end of the first inning. He just can't last. He's a huge guy. But his velocity doesn't change. That's what doesn't make any sense to me. I don't know if, again, if he's leaving pitches up, but there's got to be an explanation to this because the underlying numbers are still, you know, usually when you see pitchers struggle, it's because their velocity's dropped or their spin rate's dropped or teams are pulling the ball more against them. And you don't see that with Manoa statistically. So the change has to be made somewhere else. I don't know what it is, uh, but it has to be addressed. If it means him going down for six weeks and trying to drop 15 pounds, then so be it. Mm -hmm. Because the talent is there. He's a gamer. He's a bulldog. He wants to go after people. His first ever career start was against the Yankees, and he went right after them. You know, that's the Manoa that people are missing. So hopefully that's what gets fixed. I mean, 16 and 7 last year, he had 51 walks, it says here. He's already got 42 this year, which yeah, is not, not good. good. Not no, good from year to year. No, it's not at all. And this is the second straight year you could say the Toronto Blue Jays have had a pitcher. They've had high expectations for really just implode. Last year was Jose Barrios. He was a big free agent signing from Minnesota, and he had an awful season last year. He's playing a little bit better now, but this year it's Manoa, who's absolutely just imploded. And I I don't know what the answer is for him. Is it a case of maybe maybe batters are seeing his stuff better this year. It's a case because really last year was the big breakout for Alec Manoa. Are they seeing his pitches more consistently? Does he need to change some things in the way he pitches? Is it a conditioning thing and maybe he needs to trim down to really fit this style of play for baseball? I'm, I'm not too sure, but I'm hoping he gets back to it. The game's more fun, I think, when Alec Manoa is pitching better. So I, I hope whatever that comes of him going down the minors is going to help him in the long term honestly yeah like you said Luke I mean he's a bulldog out there and that is exciting pitching to watch somebody that's up there you know kind of dictating the pace of the game but now he can't dictate the pace of the game 
the clock is doing that, so he can't take that little extra break here. He can't, you know, walk around the mound a little longer to catch his breath there. So I think he just can't keep up with the speed of the game right now. He needs to go down the majors, maybe lose a little bit of weight. I mean, don't we all, speaking for myself. And uh, comes back up, and then he's, you know, back to that level we expect. But certainly not a great start for him. And I think a deserving move back down to the minors. Yeah, and it's a shame that Mountaineer baseball players were starting to make a pretty significant dent in the major leagues. But John Means had his setback with his injury, so he's not coming back anytime soon. Manoa just got sent back down. Ryan McBroom is probably not going to get back up to the majors after having a promising start. Vince Belnomi is out of baseball. You know, there's not really a lot to hang your hat on. Michael Grove is up and down with the Dodgers, but is consistently inconsistent. So we're not going to see him anytime soon. That we you had where you're on the precipice of having all this kind of mountaineer talent just break into the big leagues that's kind of been put on hold. Um, hopefully, you know, those numbers will start to be, we'll see Jackson Wolf at some point. Uh, the, this current group of guys, maybe we'll have a chance to see Victor Scott from the Cardinal organization in a couple of years. But, uh, you know, they were poised to have a lot of respect come their way based on how their major leaguers were performing, but that's been paused. I don't even get us started on Mountaineer baseball this year, <laughs> but we'll, we'll talk about that after the break. So step aside. We'll step aside. We'll be back after this on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. Panhandle Sports Live, your home for sports in the Panhandle. Here's Jordan, Luke, and Parker. Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live. I'm Jordan Ice Warner, alongside me, Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. So the College Baseball World Series is starting to get going in earnest today. I mean, it's been happening, uh, the Supers and things like that. Uh, we will not be seeing it, the Mountaineers, uh, in the College Baseball World Series. Unfortunately, I'm sure you guys talked about that uh, at length already earlier this week. But there were some big-time and some fun college baseball games over the weekend. Uh, Oklahoma, they're playing some pretty good ball right now. Florida State, you know, uh, also in there, and that's the matchup today. So who do you think is the favorite, if you were uh, to pick one right now, in the College Baseball World Series? There are some great teams that have already been knocked out, some perennial you know, powerhouses in college baseball already out of the tournament so far. So it seems somewhat more wide open this year than it has been in a lot of years. So if you were to have to make an educated guess, whoever wants to take it first, who do you think is the uh, the front runner in the College Baseball World Series at the moment? I mean, it's got to be Wake just because they're the number one team in the country. Right. Um, in terms of momentum, I-, I love the way that Oral Roberts is playing baseball right now. It's a ton of fun. I mean, I hope they don't make it this far just to get embarrassed. Um, I don't know if I have a really good answer to that question other than Wake, like I said. I mean, LSU... I know they've got arms, and in terms of what we've been able to see from Texas, is a very good team offensively, um, but it's tough. It, it, I think this is a wide open bracket, like you said. You know, there are teams that are playing in the College World Series that are still alive in the bracket, and Duke, Oral Roberts, Oregon, uh, Tennessee, Southern Miss uh, that that don't have numbers next to them. Mm-hmm. Texas. So yep. I, I think that speaks to how deep the field was this year. I'd say LSU for me. I think they got one of the better players in baseball and the college ranks and crews they got good pitching as well i think they got the momentum to make a run right now to the tigers and we mentioned the field has dwindled significantly from what we have we saw arkansas get bounced out we've seen florida get bounced out it's been it's been a rough road in this college baseball world series this year but i think lsu has the talent wake forest you look has one of the better teams virginia i know has the best catcher in the nation and kyle teal right now but I like what LSU brings to the table. I think they got a shot. And I, if I were to peg it, I think at some point we'll see Wake Forest and LSU in the championships or playing towards a championship at some point. 
the uh, big news in sports yesterday, at least that I uh, was really seeing, was golf news. Who'd have thought this been popping up out of nowhere? Especially uh, this news item in particular. Of course, the PJ Tour and Live Golf—they've been, you know, at each other's necks for the last three years now. Of course, PGA coming out talking about the Saudi-backed Live Tour, and you know, where's the money coming from? Some different, you know. Uh, what you want to call it, all kinds of different things that were behind Live Golf. PJ was certainly against it. Live Golf definitely kind of leaned into that a little bit, and uh, they've been butting heads. Now, fast forward to, well, I guess skipping over a ton with money and different feuds and things. Fast forward to yesterday, PGA and Live Golf, they are merging into one, what they call a commercial entity or something like that. All kinds of question marks up in the air, but the biggest non-question mark is, I'm sure, those guys that went over to Live, Mickelson, you know, Sergio, you name it, Lee Westwood, uh, you know, Ian Poulter, all those guys are walking back into these PGA tournaments, into these PGA clubhouses with huge pockets, and they didn't really have to deal with any of the consequences that were supposed to happen. So I know you guys aren't the biggest golf guys out there, but it seems like this news topic has certainly transcended into the wider world of sports. What do you guys think about this? I mean, I think it's it's out of left field, but you know, when you get into money figures as big as these two uh, organizations were, you know, talking about, it doesn't matter what hazards are out there, what you know, geopolitical things are happening. Money's going to talk, and it seems like it certainly did here. Yeah, it's, it seems as though in the PGA sense that they waited to see if it was going to collapse under its own weight, and it didn't. And then they realized that it was a real threat to their organization. I don't, again, I don't know that much about golf, but what it sounded like was Liv kind of broke down some barriers that the PGA had kind of set. A lot of the players that were in these Live events were talking about how, man, my schedule's not grueling, and there's more freedoms to be had, which I'm sure you guys were talking about before we went on the air with Live players able to wear shorts, you know, just stuff like that, where it seemed as though they were given more freedoms and it was fun, and coupled with the fact that they were making significantly more than they could have with the PGA. You're seeing this in soccer as well. I, I, I mentioned it before we go on the show. You know, Eden Hazard just signed a three-year, six hundred and forty-something million dollars to play in Saudi Arabia. Ronaldo's done that. I mean, these whatever these entities are that are funding these organizations, they're just setting piles of money on fire, and they do not care. No, that they mm-hmm. will continue to do it year after year after year. So it seemed as though it was a, a necessary move from the PGA to stay relevant. But the blowback now becomes there were some golfers in the PGA that took a pretty significant stance against Live. What becomes of them? Because they have nowhere to go now. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. it, it showed me somebody that was a big objector because, and, and you could make the argument justifiably so, against where the money was coming from. Mm-hmm. Now what do they do? Because they're a part of that money. They have the Obviously, the PGA executives have been called hypocrites, uh, and they look like hypocrites, certainly. But what's going to happen to the golfers that took that stance? Do they retire? Do they walk away from the game? Do they start their own league? You know, it, it's it's going to be it's going to be pretty wild to see how it shakes up. Dude, I'm seeing here too that apparently uh, a vast majority, if not all, of the PGA Tour guys found out about this merger on Twitter first before uh, <laughs> as, as yeah, all things before break. the official you know release from the PGA Tour uh, came out. But it's been it's been interesting to see the different you know sports talking heads that are out there. They're statements and their stances on this. It seems like for the most part, everybody's pretty unified, but I think more unified on the fact that the just complete turn, the 180 flip out of nowhere from the PGA Tour was just completely unexpected. And it's got to leave a pretty bad taste in the mouth of like the Rory McIlroy's of, you know, the whoever's that are still on the PGA Tour that didn't take the millions and millions and millions of dollars to go play at these live golf events. 
And the silver lining is this. I think Liv is going to be the centerpiece of this deal. I think they're going to be the controlling bodies in this partnership with the PGA because the, the money's going to talk here. It, it is. They have the most financial backing of the two entities, and I think Liv is going to be the controlling body that makes the final shots in these calls. And be it as you may, whether your stance on it is one way or the other, it's it's beneficial for the players at the end of the day. Hopefully this means these players get more paid, no, no matter their stance of what it is. I hope that's the case anyway to those players that went and took the deal from Liv. They're looking pretty good right now. And to the players who weren't and stayed loyal to the PGA, it, it feels like you've been stabbed in the back almost in that mm-hmm. sense. And it's I, I'm interested to see what's going to be made of it, if it's going to be rebranded as one entity, if – the heads of live are going to be laissez-faire and kind of hands off with it for the Great most word. part, yeah. or if they're going to be okay, lining things up and making things different. Shout out to colonial American politics and laissez-faire. I'm you, man. One time. The athletic saying in an article uh, that Monaghan addressed PGA players in a meeting at the Canadian open. Um, one of the agents said the quote is varying degrees of confusion, anger, and sadness. Oh, it has to be among players. And that, that he was told that the live is dumping two to three billion dollars into the PGA, and that he's he appreciated them taking their stand and think that they have made the right decision. Unreal. However, you know people kind of joke. Remember the, from the fans of the Office, the Michael Scott Paper Company, that these guys left for eighteen months, had a ton of fun playing in these events, come back significantly more wealthy than the people that stay with the PGA and don't get punished for any of this. Mm-hmm. So I can understand how that would upset a PGA player. Well, I'll be excited to see what aspects kind of get meshed together. Like, are they going to be able to wear shorts, right? Like, is that going to happen? Are they going to be able to, you know, have these kind of base salaries like these live guys had where it's not as life or death? I mean, but that's the fun aspect of PGA Tour golf to me is that, you know, you go into these tournaments, these guys, if they don't make it through Thursday, they don't get paid. Yeah. If they don't make mm-hmm. the cut, they're not getting paid. So it's pretty much life or death for a lot of these guys in these tours. And with what Liv was doing, that takes it takes all of that out because they're already making a base salary as it is. And then anything they make in the tournaments is just extra on top. So uh, I, I'll be interested to see what mixes come out of this uh, mixing of these two organizations. I will say going to that Liv tournament, it was fun. I mean, from a fan perspective, it was certainly a lot different than a normal PGA Tour event, but... That's the point. Is it for it to be completely different than a PJ Tour event? So the landscape is certainly changing all around us and um, was not expecting to see Live Golf and PJ Tour together. And I saw a bunch of tweets, too, from the Netflix uh, producers and whatnot saying people were tweeting at him. Did, were you filming? Were you filming when this broke? And they all were like, of course we were filming. So that should be <laughs> some pretty good um, Netflix material form. Was it Breaking Par or whatever it's called, I think? Uh, on Netflix, which is pretty good if you got some time to go watch it. And the Tour de France one is coming out here in, I think, two weeks. So be ready for that. I love this article that was put out. It was from uh, ESPN's Mark Schlarbach. He's a uh, senior writer for the golf section. That He compared this to, uh, and I love the wrestling reference here, like Dusty Rhodes' girlfriend showing up on stage with Ric Flair with the World Championship in the 80s, or if Nick Saban took the Auburn job is the two comparisons he had for those two. But it's, it's one of those things where – it's one of those stories that like kind of stopped everybody for a little yeah. bit. Like, wow, this happened. It's it's unprecedented. It's something that I think that could potentially change the game of golf as we know it today. And I, again, I'm interested to see Liv's stance on it. Are they going to be implementing these changes? Are they going to change where majors are held? Is it going to be, the, okay, we'll have these things with the PGA, but 
we have the final say. If we want to change something, we could change something. Or if they're just going to back off, let PGA people run it for the most part and step in when it's necessary. These changes of and the full rebrand of this company isn't coming till 2024 from what was put out. How it's going to be formed, I think, is going to be the story to follow on this in the next few months to the next calendar year. What's what's going to happen between Liv and the PGA Tour? Mm-mm-mm. Crazy stuff. Apparently, uh, McElroy is coming out with a statement. What did uh, what did Jared say? Like nine, nine thirty, somewhere <laughs> around there. So keep an eye on that. We'll of course have that on our Twitter too. Uh, reactions to that as well, because I'm sure. I mean, Rory, he was he was the guy for the PGA Tour. I mean, he was there. You know, sign bearer, if you were the flag bearer. For, he was their uh, Captain America, pretty much. Well, yeah, for the most part. Oh, and uh, funny you bring that up because another angle to this is people were saying that um, the PGA just wanted to make sure that all the American guys could still play on the Ryder Cup. So if they're playing on Live, how it was worked out, they weren't able to play in the Ryder Cup. And the Ryder Cup is a big old deal that's coming up. The U.S. versus um, all the European players and whatnot. And a significant amount of those U.S. players would not have been able to play. So that's another angle to that as well. Um, but yeah, the Wild West, all over sports, man, whether it's high school sports in West Virginia or professional golf with Saudi Arabia and the U.S., who knows? Who knows how it's going to work out? But we do have to get to our final break. So we'll step aside a few minutes. We'll come back and start to wrap things up and get Parker's picks on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. Mix up your sports coverage with Panhandle Sports Live. Heard on the Panhandle News Network. Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live, broadcasting live from the Hoppy Kirchville building. I'm Jordan Ice Warner, alongside me, Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. You can get in touch with us by texting us 304-263-4321. You can tweet us at EP Sports Network. An absolute masterclass in that game. He th- he had 13 strikeouts in the Blue Jays, 5-1 win over the Astros. I had Jordan Alvarez get two-plus total bases. He was unable to get on base in this game. Rough going for Jordan in this one, but Freddie Freeman was able to hit those two-plus total bases as he had a great game. Had four total bases in what was an exciting debut, and we'll get into the Ellie De La Cruz debut here in a little bit too. But before we get deep into Parker's picks, I want to bring this up. The uh, follow-up to the story we had about my little brother. He had, <laughs> I was going to ask you to bring that up after your picks. Go ahead. Yeah, so he... They played in the state quarterfinals last night over at their home field, and this was a special occasion because this is the last athletic event in the history of the school because they're merging into two schools. The city school and the county school in the area are merging into one school at the end. Well, coming into next school year, they're going to be one school system. So this is the last athletic event in the history of this. So... And I'll have to show you guys the picture. I think I showed you this morning, Jordan. Mm-hmm. I'll show Luke this picture. It is absolutely insane. There's a cool video, too, over on your Twitter page. Yeah, there's a video of the National Anthem. So look how packed this is right here. Well, I mean, it's like three or four people. It's deep. deep. It's deep. So how the field set up, it's like uh, there's a hill and it goes down and then there's a baseball field. They end up mercy ruling the team. They played 14-1 the final score. They're playing in the state semifinals on Friday and that'll be in Salem, Virginia. If they win that game, they'll get to play in the Class 2A state championship game in the Salem Red Sox minor league stadium, which that'll be a really cool opportunity for them if they're able to get there. Super fun run, and I'm I'm really – just how much that was flooded and brought together. It it was one of those this-is-why-we-do-this type of moments was that community rallying around that whole – 
team. And it's kind of like the last breath of what is that high school when it's high school sports and how much it really means to that area and how much it means to our people in the panhandle to those schools and what they've done and such. But that's enough on that. Let's get into Parker's picks for today. So today's lock of the day, I'm going Jimmy Butler under seven and a half first quarter points. Jimmy usually takes the second half to get really rolling. I think they're going to try and spread the ball a little bit in game three of the NBA finals tonight. Jimmy Butler's under seven and a half total first quarter points. I think that's a good one to go for. That's today's lock of the day. I'm also going with the Nuggets to win on the road in Miami. Miami's a better team on the road than they are at home, as we've seen in the Boston series, as we've seen in other series in these playoffs, I think Denver gets this game back in game three and they go up 2-1. And as well as I'm going to turn to baseball, Fernando Tatis Jr. is going two-plus total bases tonight against the Seattle Mariners. I, th- I think San Diego really needs a win right now. They've been struggling. They got Michael Waka pitching as well, who was last month's pitcher of the month for the month of May. I think it's a good chance for the Padres to get back into their winning ways. Tatis, again, one of the most electric players in baseball. I think he gets the best of George Kirby tonight. Two-plus total bases in that matchup. So, again, Jimmy Butler is today's lock of the day. He is under 7.5 first quarter points in Game 3. The Nuggets win, and Tatis gets two-plus total bases in the Padres-Mariners matchup. And I was reminded by this. I just got a text that the the final ever play at the Mountaineer Field was a walk-off grand slam. Wow. Walk off Grand Slam. So, are they building a new school? So, what they're. Like, are they. Like, what's going to happen with the field or the school? Like, Allegheny High School, are they going to tear it down? Like, what's up with that? They're not going to tear the school down. So, the city high school is going to act as the middle school, and the. High school, the Allegheny High School will be the high school is what it's going to be. Gotcha. It's just they're going to rebrand. It's going to be rebranded everything. It's so they're going to go from the, the mountain. Parkerstone Press Box. Well, one can only sounds hope like one it's day. Still, it should be White Griffith Stadium or <laughs> Field. Something he, like he that. had a solid game. He went two for three in that in that outing. I'd say that's had, pretty so. solid. Yeah, he had a pretty he had a pretty good game overall. And that that good. team and the cool thing is is a lot of that team is from a travel ball roster they had growing up, and they were they played since they were in T ball together. So it could be one of those situations when like six of them go pro, and the only thing we're ever going to see when they play against each other are the pictures of them in youth leagues, and like, oh, they played together when they were six, or oh, they played little league together. Yeah, here's a here's a picture of all of them together. That's their uh, travel ball coach nice. in the middle, and there's probably about six of them there. And then their uh, guy that they played was a uh, county over. He came and watched them as well. So it was nice. it was a really cool moment for all those, and it was a, it was kind of a big celebration and a finale of all things of what was Allegheny High School, which was really awesome last night. Well, good luck to the uh, Fighting Mountaineers, man. Hopefully they're able to pull one out. Hopefully so. That'd be awesome. They came a little short last year. They were in the state championships last year, but they came up just a little bit short. I believe it was the semifinals, if I'm right. But it's it's a really cool story. It, it's one I really hope they able, are able to win this because that, that is such a story. The final year of your school, you're the final athletic team remaining in that school's history. You go and you win a state championship. There's there's no better way to write the book than that. That's, that's storybook baseball, and it, it, it's really cool to see. But I, I did want to bring up Ellie De La Cruz with you guys because, my goodness, what, what a debut. He's been hyped up for a while as one of the biggest prospects in baseball. He has been absolutely tearing it up in the minors, and he comes up for Cincinnati. And, well, they beat the Dodgers, and for the first time in a long time, I think there's really hope in this Cincinnati Reds organization. Yeah, well, I, I think the biggest thing is because you look at the young players that they have. You know, Hunter Green's 23, Ellie Cruz, is, like you said, is is just 21 years old. And I think what people are, are, are raving about is the fact that he hit a ball – 
for that double that the exit velo on it was insane and then he got to second base in like four seconds he's nuts he's he's a he's a crazy good prospect and it was about time they got called up and it's something for reds fans to be excited for i mean that division right now is a joke and it's going Mm -hmm. to get better i mean the pirates are in first place right now and they've got some better arms you know quinn priester's still on the way you know and the reds henry davis on the way too yeah henry davis is on the way he should be up right now um the reds are, are 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 continuing to stockpile a large cache of arms the cardinals still have some prospects i really think michael mcgreevy is going to be one of the better pitching prospects in baseball when it's all said and done so it's going to be in a different spot because those teams are all starting to draft really well uh, on top of the fact that the brewers and the cardinals i know the cardinals have a bad record right now but they've got a very talented roster so cincinnati fans I think you're away a year away from being really excited about this team. You're kind of where the Orioles were three years ago, mm-hmm. uh, and hopefully in three years from now you'll be where the Orioles are now. You just have to manage your pieces right, and uh, Cruz is certainly one of those people. Very much so, yeah. You've got Chirio, who's the number two prospect in baseball with the Milwaukee Brewers. He's expected to get called up next year. De La Cruz, who just got called up. Jordan Walker, who still lists as the number one prospect in baseball. He's been bouncing up and down between the minors. He had a moonshot yesterday against the Rangers. I Oof. Yeah, I, I hope he consists. It's just weird with Walker because he's in such a weird spot because there's so much of the old guard with the Cardinals right now between – Arnado, Goldschmidt, you've got Contreras, who they've debated putting a DH in the outfield. You've got a guy like Tyler O'Neill, who I honestly I wouldn't be shocked if they dealt Tyler O'Neill. They haven't done line. it yet. I don't think they will because you know they? they should have traded him a month ago. He and Marmol do not get along. It does not make any sense what's going on with the Cardinals right now. Well, yeah, and I uh, echo your sentiments too, talking about the uh, you know quality of the team maybe not playing so well with the Nationals. I mean, yes, nobody expects them to be playing that well right now, but I'll take a twenty-five and thirty-five record as it stands. And they just got young guys that are trying to grow into themselves, grow into the game. I mean, Stone Garrett had a moonshot for his first grand slam yesterday. I mean, they still lose ten-five to the uh, Diamondbacks. Go figure. But all things considered, I mean, this is just all looking at rebuilding. I like having CJ Abrams in the nine hole now too, which was a switch up, even though he went over four, but having that extra speed down there. So uh, there's so much young talent in baseball. It's been like this, what the last, what five years, I guess at this point, the amount Mm -hmm. of young talent that is just invasion of baseball, just making baseball so exciting again, which is great. And the thing about De La Cruz, you don't see players like that. You know, guys were either, they ran like Willie McGee or they hit like Reggie Jackson and he does both. You know, so it's a different level of player that's coming up now as well. The Nationals are right now where the Reds should be next year. You know, that's right. that's the template you should follow. Mm-hmm. You should be, you know, not a very good team this year. Obviously, they're horrible last year. What did they start the season? Oh, and whatever. Um, you know, to get off to a slow start like they did, to then be the Nationals next year, to be Baltimore last year, the year after that, and then be Baltimore this year, the right. year after that. Right. That's what progression looks like. That's what the Astros did. And then in five years, they were winning World Series. And they cheated, but still. Uh, <laughs> but that, I think that the Reds, you just need to keep climbing. Trust the climb, Reds fans. How about go. that? There well, the good go. thing for the Nats, too, they have the number two overall pick in this year's upcoming draft, too, mm-hmm. which is arguably going to be either Dylan Cruz from LSU, who is one of the best players in the nation, or Paul Skeens, the pitcher from LSU, who is the best pitcher in the nation. And is going to get is talked about as one of the best pitching prospects since the turn of the decade. 
So either way, they're going to add another talented piece to that roster, and they're going to be looking all right here in a couple of years. Hey, and talking about the Nets, stop me if you've heard this one before with uh, Steven Strasburg being out for the season yet again. I wish they had dealt him <laughs> six years ago. I've been on the they're camp. They're saying he's probably done. The, he he should be, be. He needs to be, man. Be I've been in the camp where he should have been dealt years ago when they still could have gotten a little bit of money for him, and maybe this, you know, where the Nats are at right now, wouldn't have been as bad because they'd have gotten some money or maybe somebody – for Steven Strasburg, and then the other team could have dealt with all the injuries and whatnot. But if you missed any of the show day, you can listen back to it a little bit later on on our Panhandle News Network Facebook and Spotify page. You can always get in touch with us. You can tweet us at EP Sports Network uh, or text us 304-263-4321. For Parker and Luke, I'm Jordan. Panhandle Live is next. Have a good one. Talk to you tomorrow. Martinsburg and WCST Berkeley Springs, a WVRC media station. We're proud to live here too.